Um, have you made your list out yet? Or even maybe some of you have finished your list. I know some of you are like hyper-organized like someone in my family is. And uh, you've already checked off all your boxes. If I had one gift, just one that I could give to you, um, you might anticipate it. It's this, that this morning you would leave, you'd walk out those doors with a richer, deeper knowledge of the Lord, God, your Savior, um, who has loved you, and you came, that's why we're celebrating Christmas, and that you would experience in a fuller way the peace of God. Um, We're talking about peace this morning, and I would love for you to be able to experience that personally. In the midst of circumstances that might not be around your house or in your neighborhood or place of work or school, full of peace, maybe it's full of unrest, maybe it's struggle. Um, Certainly our world has plenty of that. But this morning, um, we are here, we're worshiping God, we're thinking about his word, and we're inviting him to speak into us about that issue, our issue of peace. And I'm not sure if you've noticed, but our world has plenty of conflict and unrest. You just have to look at the news one time and you'll see it again. Uh, I just saw the tragic uh, bombing in Egypt at a, a church, a Coptic church there. Reminded again, there's rarely a day that goes by that we don't see news like this of unrest. Our world is really skilled at creating conflict. Good news is that God is fantastic at creating peace amidst the unrest and amidst the conflict. So that theme, the theme of peace, winds its way throughout the Christmas narrative in really cool ways. And I want to just help us see it and appreciate it for what it is in God's word. I'm going to take three snapshots or scenes from the Christmas story, some less familiar or maybe more familiar to you. And we're just going to look at them and think about this theme. And the first one is the scene where Zechariah is speaking out in response to God and his experience. Those of you who know Zechariah's story a little bit, he's the father of John the Baptist. And he steps into the scene of Christmas um, at the very beginning of the story, the story in Luke. And he's uh, a guy who had struggled with it personally. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But God shut him up when he came to him and told him, you know, here's my plan, and, and he didn't respond well. So God gave him a time out, and he got quiet and listened to the Lord, and God was at work within him. And as that happened, John responds this way, starting in verse 76. I'm just the second half of his response there. The full response starts in verse um, 68, and it's really rich and deep, but we're just going to focus on these last four verses where John the Baptist is being spoken about by Zechariah. And you, child, that's his son, who was just born, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, the words that he writes, it's called Zechariah's prophecy. Um, 
are really rich and layered, and I think they come from this season of Zechariah having to shut up. And I know for those of you who are uh, moms, you just wish your husband would be like Zechariah, right, during your pregnancy where he couldn't say a whole lot. But that is exactly his story, and, um, and what it produces is him in this great statement about what God's doing and what God is going to do in the life of his son. The second scene is probably more familiar to you. It's Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It's the scene of the shepherds. Listen to what the Word of God says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And here's the third scene, the final scene. It happens in the temple days after Jesus has been born and his mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, take him to the temple to dedicate him and they run into this man, Simeon. So starting in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, that Simeon did, and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Um, the story, the Christmas narrative, is about a revealing. Like it's God revealing himself to us. The majesty, the extent of his love. How far he would go to address your brokenness, the wrecked parts of my life. And the way that he would extend himself through giving his son. Right, so we celebrate that. God's revealing himself through God. That is God incarnate, God with us, Emmanuel. The Bible teaches that that revealing was targeted. It came for a purpose, a reason. And I'm not sure if you've seen this in your world where you live, but I've seen it in mine, that the world is really great at creating unrest, while God is fantastic at creating peace in the middle of our trouble. And this morning, when we think about the nature of God's peace and how that's revealed in the person of Jesus, 
I want to invite you into a place of discovery about peace. Um, I think the Bible's clear with this. The Bible teaches that there's no peace without God. And I can pursue it in a lot of different ways, a lot of avenues outside of my relationship with God. But I will never discover it there because it doesn't exist there. That peace alone resides with God. And if you've come this morning and you're struggling, you're in conflict in a relationship, or you're struggling with uh, global issues of conflict and a lack of peace, and you've forgotten where it starts, then hopefully this morning you'll experience it, you'll know it, you'll have confidence in what God is doing. And here's the, the, the first thing I want you to pick out of these three narratives. The first is this, that real peace is a gift from God. We can try to manufacture it. We can try to create it. But the reality that the story in Scripture teaches us is that it's a gift. It's, it's not going to happen unless we get it from the Lord. So we just have to humbly ask him for peace. If there's a place of unrest and conflict in my life, then I need to ask the Lord because it, it's all a gift from him. For Zechariah, the thought of um, trusting God, it became a struggle. And we don't know all the reasons. We do know that Elizabeth and Zechariah, for a long season of their life, suffered through infertility. Right? They saw other couples who weren't walking with the Lord have kids, something they really, really wanted. And they didn't. And that's had to have caused inside of his heart uh, an unsettledness and a struggle with, is God going to actually be true to his word? You might have something that you really want and desire and you've prayed and asked God for a ton of times and you've never heard yes from him and you're still asking and there's this unsettled part of you, a place of discontent and struggle. And I think that's what Zechariah had experienced for this long season. He also was a man in new scripture and um, he knew that the Messiah had been promised, but he wasn't getting anything. He, he wasn't hearing that God was actually coming through with his promises, and he was, I think, really wrestling through. And then for Zechariah, God shows up and gives him a message, hey, you're going to have a child, and he's like, ah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know if God's ever made anything obvious to you through his word and you are filled with doubt and wondering whether God can actually pull it off. That's what happens in Zechariah's life. And so God says, listen, just shut up. Would you? Can I say that in church? Yeah, I think so. Just be quiet. And for nine months, you're going to stay quiet, and you're not going to be able to say anything, and you're going to have to think and process yourself and understand that I'm the Lord and I'm true to my promises. I'm not always going to fulfill all of your expectations or selfish desires, but I have a very good plan for you. I'm going to work it out. Don't question that. I'm the Lord. That place of unsettledness and unrest in you, I'm going to give you a gift of peace if you allow me to do it. So Zachariah had to process that and think through it, and what we see, the words of his response nine months later, is a man who's discovered it and discovered that it's a gift that God was giving him. 
And it was this great gift beyond his expectation that his son was going to have a place in the plan of God to bring peace to the world. The shepherds, that second scene, um, what we know about them is they weren't Bible scholars. They weren't greatly educated. They were at the very end of the social status and class and economic scale. They were just trying to make ends meet and to scrape by. And they had all kinds of threats to their life, um, to their flock. They were struggling with predators and to their self-esteem because they were very at the very end of the, the ladder and culture and status. And they didn't get to church because they had to carry their flock. They had to care for their flock. And those of you who know people who do that, it's 24-7 work. And if they did get a break and be able to go to the temple, they'd be on the outskirts. They didn't have this like great, in terms of other people's eyes, this great spiritual experience. And isn't it fascinating? I love this part of the story, that God gives them the royal welcome, right? They get the best seat of the house. They're out there in their fields, and God and his glory breaks out, and the whole heavenly host break out and say, peace, right? They, they're feared, yeah, and they're, they're overcome with anxiety when this happens, and the angel says, fear not. And by the way, here's the story of peace. And just so you know it, you're going to get to go firsthand and see it and see the Savior, Christ, in the flesh for you. And that's, that was their story. It was a gift for them. They didn't earn it, but God doesn't respect class, culture, status. He just loves people. And he loved these shepherds and wanted to console them and give them peace and help them see it and know it firsthand. And Simeon, in our third scene, he had followed God faithfully. Scripture says, describes him as a man who was religious. That is, he, he took his faith seriously and he was devout. He was faithful to it for a long time. And he was just waiting to be consoled and for the consolation of his nation that was at unrest, and God had promised him one day, one day he'd be able to see the Messiah in his lifetime, and he had to have questioned that over, over time because he was an old guy at this point, and he had done this, seen this for a long time in his life, and you love the scene, right? Some of you, especially those of you who are more wrinkled, you love this scene, you know, have been faithful to the Lord where Simeon gets prompted by God's Spirit, get yourself to the temple and so he goes, and he sees this couple walk in, and he, God had affirmed it in his heart, apparently, and he just, he holds this baby, as he's going to dedicate this baby to the Lord, and he discovers it's the Messiah that he's holding. And he says, finally, now I can die in peace, right? Now my heart is fully at peace. It's fully at peace because something personal happened to all three of those scenes. Because real peace initiates with God, but then it gets personal. Thomas Merton once said, you're not at peace with others because you're not at peace with yourself. And you're not at peace with yourself because you're not at peace with God. That's pretty disquieting, <laughs> right? That's 
that's pretty personal. Why are you not at peace, Burton says. Well, it's because something's going on internally. It's not just the person you're mad at. If you're driving in traffic and you're like, ah, you're like always tense, something's going on inside. It happens to me actually quite a bit. And then I have to check myself, what's going on with you today, Ron? What's going on internally? And not just internally with like me, the issue is my relationship with God. Something's going on that's messed up there. The Bible teaches us that before anything else, I have to deal honestly with my own conflict with God. And yes, I am conflicted. I've got all these selfish desires and all this junk that I carry along, and it separates me from intimacy with God until I come to Him with it. And I can't be at peace, and I can't be an agent of peace until I get that squared away, my relationship with God squared away. Paul points us to the answer of that in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, where he says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Now, in the context of this discussion, before in chapter 4 of Romans, he talks about how people come to faith, place their faith in Jesus alone, and he rescues them. And that's how we step into relationship with God. And when that happens, when we have been justified by God, made right with God, then, the second half of that verse, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's no peace until I take that first step, until I finally say, I admit I've got all this conflict inside of me, and it's a product of my own brokenness, my own sin, my own desire to do stuff my own way, and not following God. And then I turn and I place my confidence, no longer in myself, but I place my confidence in Christ alone and what he's done, that he's came and he lived a life and then he died for me. And when I place my confidence in him and I confess that I have blown it and I need him and I'm seeking to follow him, then I become new. And the peace of God begins in my life. He gives me that gift. It's just the beginning though, right? Because if you're a follower of God, you know this to be true, that there are times in your life where you still struggle. You're like Zachariah, you're still struggling, you're wrestling with it, and it, you're in process. <coughs> Excuse me. Brian Jett has said, if we only desire a small piece of God in our lives, we will similarly only have that small measure of peace, his peace in our lives. If I only want to do church, do religion, and keep God at a distance six days a week or six and a half days a week, then that's about as much a peace I'm going to experience in my life if I'm not walking with him faithfully and living for him, right? Then he's not going to do this work, this constant work in me. God gets Zachariah's full attention, and he starts working on him over these nine months and teaching him these lessons, drawing him close into intimate relationship with him. Last week, um, Pastor Nate was preaching in the first service. Um, it's my kind of tradition to go to the other, if I'm not teaching at one of the other venues, then I'll go around and see how our volunteers are doing. We have these fantastic volunteers that I really appreciate. And um, I happen to go over toward the nursery area where I see a couple of you nursery workers actually here that were there. And... Um, and the kids in there were making a joyful noise to the Lord, right? Actually, it wasn't so joyful when I walked by. 
And uh, our nursery workers are like, you know, doing their very best. They're, I, they're just my heroes. I love them. And they're in there doing their best to comfort these kids and console them and try to get them, you know, down. And, um, and I poke my head in there, and there's one kid that I know that was there, and we make eye contact with this little kid who's just crying his eyes out. And, um, and he looks at me, and he goes, up. Like, oh. So I say, forget that kid. I got church to do, so I leave him, you know. I didn't. I, <laughs> I didn't. I was like, okay, I was tenderhearted. And I, I walk in, you know, I pick this little guy up, and I start to entertain him with toys, and we have this little conversation, and he's, and he's you know, he's just doing this thing, and finally he settles down a little bit, and, um, and then I then actually do have to leave to, to go over here, and um, I hand him off to one of the nursery workers, and his eyes pop up, you know, and I'm leaving him, so now he's upset again. I wasn't so great, but um, I was thinking about my experience there, how, you know, adults in our world, we try to comfort children. But the Christmas story is flipped on its ear. It's totally different. All these adults are in the story, and they're all conflicted. They're all struggling with unrest. And it's this baby that comforts everyone. It's the gift of God through this little child that comes to bring peace to everyone. And I thought, wow, that's just actually a remarkable thing that God was doing. Simeon, he follows God faithfully for a long time and keeps waiting for consolation that God had promised him one day. And then God shows up with this gift, and it's a personalized gift for him. There's a big reason why this season has gift-giving at its focus. It's not just about your selfishness or about your greed. It's not about Santa or elves or Amazon or whatever. It's deeper than that. And it's not even really about the Magi giving gifts, the gold and frankincense and myrrh. It is about the gift of God, his gift to you, his gift to me. That, that's what it was about, which really leads us to this lesson that God was about more than just a personalized gift. He was about something that would be transcendent. That real peace transcends us. Augustine once said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. It's good words, aren't they? Philippians chapter 4, verses 5, second half of verses 5 through 7, says this The Lord is at hand. That's the message of Christmas, right? The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with, you know it, thanksgiving. Hard to do sometimes. We're in the middle of conflict and struggle and unrest. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ and enrapture emotions and the thoughts that are spinning out of control, all that stuff. This is what God is after. He gives us that peace. He addresses that personally. And then he is going to move out of that place to a place that affects my neighbors and the people I'm at work with and school with. 
people I live my life with, my family, and my neighbors. Because real peace transcends us. It's meant for the world. And that's why you see that phrase in both Zechariah's statement and what happens with the shepherds and what happens with Simeon. That it wasn't just about them. The global impact of God's work of peace through his son Jesus are in the words of Zechariah. To give light, Zechariah says, to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Who lives in darkness and the shadow of death? People in Syria and northern Iraq today? Those helpless who are caught in the web, the global web of human trafficking? People who are dying of famine or HIV or Alzheimer's? Yes, all those people. But according to the Bible, it's anyone who has yet to experience a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ who has found peace with God. Any of those people are in the shadows. And we are the light of the world. We shine the light of Christ in the shadows. Listen again to the words the shepherds heard. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It was a peace speaking to these shepherds. A peace for every class and every profession for every tribe and nation, every kind of people on the earth. For God so loved the world that he came. And the text tells us the shepherds got it. They, it wasn't just about them. They went, they saw the manger, they saw baby Jesus, and then what happens? They just are quiet? No. The text tells us they went and told. They, they proclaimed it. They moved out from where they were to describe the peace of God to other people. And Simeon saw it clearly. Lord, you're now letting your servant depart in peace. My life is done. It's been fulfilled because I've experienced it and I've held the peace of God according to your word that you've been sure to your promises. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Time has come, you've been true, I'm at peace now. But it's not just about me, it's about the whole world. The world could experience peace, but we don't now, do we? Today as I speak, there's violent conflict in South Sudan, and in Mali, and Burundi, and Iraq, and the Central African Republic, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Syria, and Yemen, and Pakistan, and Ukraine, Afghanistan, Libya. Say nothing about the tensions in the South China Sea, or Israel, Egypt, North Korea, Colombia, Nigeria, Lebanon, Somalia. It's a long list, isn't it? 
And America, with all its might, can't solve this. The world has never seen a lack of conflict, but has known deeply a lack of peace because they have not come to peace with themselves and not come to peace with God. That may seem simplistic, but the reality is that God doesn't overcomplicate things. He wants us to know peace with him first. And if you have experienced that, he wants you to help others around you experience the peace of God in this season. It's the great gift that you can help them with. With the present unrest and conflicts in our world, our reality is that it all depends on the peace of God, on, on his gift to us. It's a very personalized gift like it was to the people in these stories. That is that God comes to you and says, I want you to discover peace in me, a deeper peace than you've known. And if you've never taken that step to trust in the Lord, this day, this would be the perfect day just to get real with God and be transparent and come to him. In a moment, you're going to hear a couple stories of people that have placed their faith in Jesus and discovered the peace of God. That can be your story too. We're going to see a baptism and that's people standing in front of you and saying, I've taken a stand, I trust in Jesus, I've made my peace with God and, and you can make your peace with God. And perhaps you have done that in the past, and these days things have slipped and you're conflicted. And I would just encourage you strongly that to know, to understand that part of that is reflective of the health of your relationship, your intimacy with God right now. This is a God who came because he loved you and wants that relationship to be right and healthy. And he just is waiting for you to say, God, I just confess that before you because that same God is faithful and just to cleanse you so that you might know intimacy with him and know peace. And I'm praying that you will discover it this day, discover his peace and a deeper, richer intimacy with him. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you that you are a God who at the core of your character is at peace. And you seek to bring that into our world, our lives personally, and then out of us into the place that we live, people that we influence in our neighborhood, at school, at work, to bring them the good news that God loves them. And he's demonstrated that. This is why we celebrate Christmas, his great gift of peace to us. I pray your blessing on these men and women that I love, that you would use them this week and this season to be the peace of God. Be at work in us, Lord. In Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.